What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is a great two-in-one punch. Not only is it delicious coffee, which packs the, the caffeine punch, but it also has that delicious CBD infusement, which helps relieve aches, or aches, headaches, migraines, pains, anything that's going on with your body. The CBD helps calm down, including those coffee jitters. That's why it's the perfect one-two punch. And I've got another one-two punch with Strava Craft Coffee for you right now. If you use the magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off your first purchase of Strava Craft Coffee if you want to give it a try. And after you've given it a try and you like it so much, you can subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% on every single order. And you can get the coffee sent straight to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at that 20% off uh, discount. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. It's just what you need to get you going on this Friday. We've got it going on cold brew at the DNVR bar. So if you want a cup, come and check us out there. It's Strava Craft Coffee. Use the code DNVR20 or subscribe for 20% off. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Two Zach Mace, RK, and the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four, we're still waiting for. Bring on the chase. Out on the field, a mile high. Broncos win is our desire. Couple with a breakfast crew and a friendly orange and blue to the bitter end. Come and join us, DDN, we are. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this fantastic Friday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into an action-packed show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the online institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And guys, MSU Denver has absolutely mastered the art of online learning as things are completely going remote this year and seem to only be going more remote as this year goes on. MSU Denver has mastered the art of online learning. So make sure to check them out. They've got over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. So make sure to head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. My boy, Mace, what's going on? Thank you for joining me today. Wow, what a show we've got coming up and kind of just took a big curveball in the past half hour. Yeah, I got to say, Zach, your ordinary, your typical morning chipper nature has not been affected by the news of COVID-19 hitting the Broncos, specifically of Graham Glasgow testing positive, according to the report from NFL Network's Tom Pellicero. I'm impressed that you've still got that smile, that you're still saying it's a fantastic Friday, because it sure as heck doesn't feel like a fantastic Friday right now. Yeah, it certainly doesn't. But Mace, I've just decided this is the world that we're living in now. You know, the, the first time this hit us with the Patriots, I was down. But now, you know, this is this is what we're living with. Don't Don't let it get me down too much. But of course, Mace, COVID has entered the Broncos facility 
This morning, the Broncos find out that a player has tested positive, an offensive lineman by the name of Graham Glasgow. The Broncos starting right guard, the Broncos' highest paid offensive lineman this season, has tested positive for COVID. And the Broncos have identified two close contacts who are also in self-isolation. Those names have not yet been revealed. This is, of course, Mace, on top of Mike Munchak going into the COVID-19 protocol earlier this week where, and we didn't know if he had tested positive or if he was just a close contact to someone, but this doesn't look good. This news this morning doesn't look good for, for Mike either. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't know for certain whether he uh, uh, has a positive test or not. I mean, being a coach, you can obviously, uh, you know, you don't have to reveal, reveal that sort of thing. And that sort of thing may not come out, but still uh, it's, it's cause for concern. I mean, if you're basically connecting the dots, it doesn't connect us to, to something good here. And, uh, and now it's a question of what are the close contacts? Well, you'd say probably most likely the offensive line, because what we're seeing is when you do have some of these outbreaks on teams, you tend to see position rooms affected. I mean, just to, to go to the college ranks, for example, uh, Wisconsin is not playing this weekend and, the outbreak one cluster of it was in their quarterback room where they had two of their quarterbacks test positive and also their head coach Paul Christ who's in close contact with the quarterbacks in that program he also tested positive so I think that we, we don't know for certain whether the whether the close contacts are on the offensive line but it's it's a reasonable assumption to believe that and then that brings you to the scenario of if this game is played, and I think it's up in the air because, I mean, what if we hear about the Chargers having more positive tests in the wake of a positive test on their offensive line yesterday? I think everything is, you know, everything is topsy-turvy at this moment. Yeah, it, it absolutely is topsy-turvy. And first off, uh, as Tristan says, you know, prayers and thoughts to Graham Glasgow. Hopefully there's no symptoms. Hopefully it's just a, a positive test, but he will be out. This week mm -hmm. and Mace, like you said, it, it's not crazy to think that the close contacts could be the offensive line. Maybe it, it's backups. Uh, maybe it's not offensive linemen, but Mace, it's also not crazy to say it could be your right tackle, Demar Dotson, because that's who stands right next to to uh, mm -hmm. Graham Glasgow, and it could be your center, Lloyd Cushenberry. So obviously, right now, it's a big blow not having your highest paid offensive lineman uh, of this season out there. It could be more, and the Broncos, the the Broncos offense, which needs to be a lot better, as Vic Fangio said, could be without some of their best players this coming Sunday. It's and we're 48 hours before the game right now, according to the NFL. The game is still on; they're going to power through. But Mace, you're right. What happens if more positive tests pop up with the Chargers? What happens if tomorrow? more positive tests pop up with the Broncos, more positive tests in their offensive line room. This was something where what was it, Mike Munchak? on Wednesday when wasn't in. out there. Yep. Yep. And I, I believe Vic Fangio said that he actually went into the concut or the, the COVID protocols on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So it took three days for another positive test to come out. This is something where I'm not going to feel comfortable saying that the Broncos are in the clear for Sunday until kickoff at two Oh five, or, you know, maybe a couple mm -hmm. hours before, after they get some tests done uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that you're fighting here is the incubation period before the viral load reaches a point where you have a positive test. 
and that's and that's why you can basically be that kind of silent uh, s- silent spreader of it and uh i can tell your uh, your your wife is a doctor mace with all of those medical oh, words there <laughs> oh yeah and, and uh you know what um you know a lot of uh, certainly a lot of people come out fine with this but we know that there are some people who 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 don't come out fine obviously this does this does affect the most vulnerable in the population but uh, uh, we've even seen some athletes that have had pretty severe instances did you see uh, or hear what uh, Emmanuel Sanders said about his about his case of covid i did not tell me tell me what he said but he 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 basically said that um He's in generally in good in in good health, but he said he had a uh, he had a fever of a hundred and two, and then he he said, and I think this is where we've heard some patients talk about brain fog. He said that he got he was getting weird loopy feelings, quote like it feels like we're glitchy because his wife got it as well. Mm. He described it as the weirdest bleep ever, quote unquote. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. you hate hearing of anyone and, testing positive and of course having symptoms. And that's why you just hope, okay. This, the first thing is you hope the player is okay. I mean, you can, you yeah. can be an athlete and struggle with this. Von Miller, Von Miller struggled with this before uh, getting past it. Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves talked about having a fever that spiked north of 104 and feeling you know close to death before he, he got past it. Now, again, you can get over it, but this is, this is nothing easy to deal with for, for some people. So you just, and that's why, and, and all that is why you are concerned about the, about the pandemic and why you take the proper precautions and why even the proper, and that, but then the incubation period is why sometimes the proper precautions aren't necessarily, is part of why the, the precautions aren't necessarily enough. So you're, you're, absolutely you're, trying right. to, you're trying to put out one fire after another. You just hope that this, you just hope that everybody's okay. And you hope that, this that the spread was contained because even though they are around each other you know if the players are doing what they should do when they're in the building they should be wearing their con their 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 proximity sensors and they should be able to contact trace pretty quickly to make sure that they can tamp this down as well as possible yeah and the the good news is yesterday kareem jackson told us that this week in the past two weeks after Curtis Modkins tested positive, uh, the restrictions were over the top. Is er, The protocols were over the top. Those were the words that Kareem Jackson used to describe. Uh, and during practice, they were all wearing the extra Oakley bottom face shield, right. uh, which I know a lot of players were, were against and have not incorporated into the games. But the Broncos have been mandated to do that since there was a positive test in the building. Anytime they took their helmet off, they had to put a mask on. And in fact, Mace, during practice this week, a lot of the offensive linemen were wearing additional masks underneath that Oakley visor mask because they knew that Mike Munchak had either tested positive or he had been in a close contact because he was not at practice all week. Uh, And so clearly they were taking all of the steps they could while still practicing and playing football. Now today, the building is closed uh, they are going remote for today. They'll be back on the practice field tomorrow. And uh, if this is it, the game will be played. That's what the NFL is saying right now. But like I said, Mace, Tuesday, Mike Munchak entered the, the COVID-19 protocols. We're at Friday now where we're getting one positive test and two close contacts. Uh, you know, We're only two days away, an even shorter time period until the game on Sunday.
Yeah, and there are a few possibilities that come into play if they don't play the game on Sunday. Obviously, the first thing would be to see if they could delay it 24 or 48 hours. And, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, delaying the game 48 hours and playing it on election night would not be the worst thing in the world to provide a distraction (laughs) to those who need it. Wow, that would be something else. You think the NFL would go? I mean, the NFL's king. The NFL goes up against anyone and dominates. This My, may yeah. honestly be the one thing where they wouldn't, or would they? Because anyone who's not interested in the election would tune over to get some uh, some distraction. Well, there's another complicating factor. The league is already telling all the teams close the facilities on election day, so the, to make sure that everyone gets out and votes. So yeah, you're right. That wouldn't happen. I, so I mean, I say that kind of jokingly, but I don't think it's going to happen. So you so. If you delayed it, you're talking about Monday or you are talking about week 18. And yeah, because the Broncos and Chargers have both burned up their buys, which is supposed to be this week for the Broncos. Crazy enough how how this is all, you know, playing yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. Just think, you know, think back a few weeks when uh, the Broncos got word that they weren't going to fly to Foxborough and take on the Patriots because of a more positive tests in the Patriots building. And there was a, an awful lot of belly aching from players, from, uh, yeah. from fans. Yeah. That, that looks really poor right now. It looked really poor to me at the time because you had so, you had some fans saying, Oh, forfeit the game, forfeit the game. Yeah. yeah. You had no evidence. The Patriots did anything wrong. And by all accounts, the Broncos have done everything right. And here, you know what? Here's here's at least one positive test and players having to isolate and the coach having to isolate right now. And and Curtis Monkins already had to to isolate already had to isolate. You can do everything right, and this can still happen. This is the the nature of it. And you know, so we see it with some fan. I know some Nebraska fans were pissing and moaning about about how Wisconsin should forfeit because uh, there was an outbreak. If you have no evidence that anything wrong happened, then yeah, you just just shut up. Sorry. Yeah, and, and no, no. I mean, Mace, I, I completely agree with you. I, I'm right there with you. This thing uh, can spread easily if you're following protocols. If you're not following protocols, uh, and I think we're finding that out right now as well. Uh, and and Mace, there's still a game for Sunday as of right now. So let's talk about it because the Chargers will also be without their starting right guard who tested positive for COVID earlier this week. We hope that they don't get more positive tests and that that cancels the game, not on the Broncos side. So uh, we, we hope the best results. We hope we don't hear anything about COVID for the next 48 hours in terms of both of these teams. Really, I mean, you, you, you wish that that happened forever, uh, but with these two teams, you don't want to hear anything before a game time. But let's say there is a game, and they will play this game eventually. And let's say it's Sunday, 2.05 in Denver. What is the key here, Mace? Well, I'm, well, I think the first key is obviously limiting the damage from Justin Herbert. And at some point, he's going to have a rookie day. As well as he's played, and, and by the way, I mean, if even if you adjust the passer ratings for era, what he's done in his first five games as a rookie is among is among the top eight rookie quarterbacks since the merger in terms of pa- in terms of passer rating. Wow. What he's done, like era, if you're adjusting for era, the best first five games for any rookie quarterback in that time frame belongs to Dan Marino. 
Wow. And then and then Ben Roethlisberger, and then Deshaun Watson, and then Dennis Shaw, the AFC Offensive Rookie of the Year in 1970 with Buffalo, and then RG3, Phil Sims, who eventually won a Super a Super Bowl with the Giants, and then you get to Justin Herbert. So while if you adjust for era, it's not the best of all time. It doesn't take long to call the to call the role to Justin Herbert. He's completing over two thirds of his passes. So I think the first thing you want to do is prevent him from getting into a rhythm. And so that means you're going to have to generate pressure on him. It's something you can do with the state of the Chargers offensive line, even uh, even when healthy, not doing well this year. Now, he, as he showed against Tampa Bay with that 72-yard touchdown pass, he's capable of making amazing throws under pressure off his back foot and just fire and, and firing deep. He has that tool in his drawer, but you do want to get him at least a little bit uncomfortable. And I think a key also in this game, Zach, is to make Justin Herbert uncomfortable. What the guys do on the back end of the secondary. The Broncos, they're fully healthy back there. So here's an opportunity coverage-wise, to create some confusion, to get him seeing shadows, to get him thinking there are open lanes when they really don't exist. And this is where you have the highest-paid secondary in the NFL, and here's the game where that secondary should show its value. Yeah, use that secondary, lean on that secondary, because Mace, how do you make Justin Herbert uncomfortable? You bring the pressure even last week against Patrick Mahomes where that is a guy you're not supposed to bring pressure against when the Broncos brought pressure it worked pretty much every single time so there's no question that that's what you need to do against Justin Herbert this week you have to bring pressure and Mace this game to me it's Broncos Chargers it's Drew Lock Justin Herbert in reality this game is Justin Herbert Justin Herbert Mm -hmm. will win this game for the Chargers or he will lose this game for the Chargers because his ceiling, what we've seen right now, is higher than Drew Locke's, just plain and simple. And people may say, well, what about the Houston game where Drew went three touchdowns, one interception, 300 yards? Justin Herbert's done that. Justin Herbert's also done three touchdowns, no interceptions. Justin Herbert's also done four touchdowns, no interceptions. So this is all on him. It's making him be the Justin Herbert that he was the first two games of his career where he did throw for 300 yards in both games, but he had one touchdown, and one interception. You can win uh, allowing Justin Herbert to have that type of game. Heck, I mean, other teams have proven that you can win allowing him to have three touchdowns and one interception. You can still beat that type of team. But if Justin Herbert takes over this game, then the Broncos, I don't care what Drew Locke does, they're not going to win this game. So I think you're, you hit it spot on. You have to make him uncomfortable. And the way you do that is you lean on your secondary and you blitz. Yeah, and the thing is, the secondary is key here because pressure without good covers to go to to accompany it. So it's the Russian cover thing, right? Sounds like a spy novel. Yeah, it certainly does. (laughs) Because pressure alone isn't enough. Zach, can you tell me where you think Justin Herbert ranks in terms of passer rating when he's pressured? Oh, boy. Uh, He's probably pretty good. I would say... Wait, wait, I, I'm going to guess his passer rating. I'm going to say 95. His passer rating is 100.9, according to Pro uh. Football Focus. Third best in the league when under pressure, only trailing Ryan Tannehill and Phillip Rivers. He he is, to just get to the numbers in detail, 38 of 65 for 581 yards with five touchdowns and two picks. 
when Jeez. he is pressured. So, so Mason, am I wrong yeah, saying that, 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 that you need to pressure him then? You're not wrong in saying that you need to pressure, but you've got, but I think this is where your coverage has to be creative. I mean, and, and that's where I think the Broncos have a chance to do some things here because the way that Vic Fangio uses his zone coverage, his coverages, you could create some confusion, and that's where you fit, you get him to maybe see some shadows a little bit. You maybe trick him into thinking that there's a window, but there isn't. And so uh, this this is this is where your secondary, all of whom are ex are expertly able to execute Vic Fangio's concepts. This is where you're relying on them with some deceptive zones, and you're going to try to sucker Justin Herbert into throwing into a window that is actually closing, and you have a chance to get picks. That, that I think, is the key. The pressure gets the, gets the ball off quickly, but if you're doing some deceptive things in the zone, then Justin, maybe Justin Herbert, that hot read, isn't as hot as he wants it to be, and you've got a pick and you're going in the other direction. That I think is the key to defusing Justin Herbert. Yep. I think you, you nailed it. And Mace, one of the things that could happen with doing that is you could be making plays on your defense, not just forcing Justin Herbert into three and outs and punting at their 50, but you could be getting pick sixes in this game or, or a pick six. You could be getting interceptions. He's had interceptions thrown he, he he's done that he's thrown three in his five games so it's very possible to do that he's also thrown 12 touchdowns in his five games so they're going to air it out they're going to rely on him and mace i know we are building this to be a very tough task because of how good justin herbert is but look no further than what vic fangio and john elway said yesterday vic fangio yesterday comes out and says the chargers have found their quarterback for the next 10 or 15 years. That's about the worst news for Broncos to hear, but that's what the Broncos head coach said. And the the truth is we haven't heard him say that about Drew Locke. Now, it's probably easier for Vic to say that about an opposing quarterback uh, instead of his own quarterback right now. But still, the fact that he came out and said that is not good news and just shows that, you know, he's not just putting up numbers because teams don't know how to defend him. No, he's a good football player and is going to be for a long time. Yeah, and there again, there will be some bad games coming up. He's going to have uh, some bumps. Every rookie does, but I think he's going to bounce back from from him. And now, you you look at the long term future, and you're staring down the barrel of four games a year against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Uh, that's the re- that's the reality that Broncos are looking at. And oh, by the way, out in Las Vegas, uh, Derek Carr isn't looking too shabby running John Gruden's offense. Offense yeah. is not the problem with the Raiders right now. It's stopping anybody. But yeah, but they're going to yeah. be able to put up some numbers on you. And and really, I don't think the Raiders are ever going to have a bad offense with John Gruden coaching that team. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. There's no question, Mace, who has the worst offense in the AFC West. As of right now, it could change, but every single number across the board will tell you that the Broncos right now are in the cellar of that. And if they lose to the Chargers this weekend – They'll also be in the cellar of the AFC West for so many reasons. This is such a big game for the Broncos. And, and Mesa, I do have to relay to you what John Elway told uh, Phil Milani of the Broncos yesterday when asked about Justin Herbert. He said Justin is going to be a very good quarterback in this league. He's a very talented quarterback, and he's done a really nice job. He's made a nice transition. He's got all the talent to move around. He's big. 
He's athletic, big arm. I mean, based. doesn't that just sound like the ideal John Elway quarterback? Yeah, well, I'll rewind the clock back to uh, December of 2018. We went back in the old orange and blue 760 days, and we had John Elway on the air not long after word broke that Justin Herbert was returning to Oregon for the 2019 campaign. And Elway at that moment said that he was surprised Mm -hmm. that Herbert made that decision to come back. And it's been well-documented and, 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 uh, well, and well-spoken of how John Elway and the Broncos did like Justin Herbert. And I maintain this. It's, Sort of a yeah, it's a little bit of of guesswork and speculation, but I believe if Justin Herbert had been in the 2019 draft class, he'd be a Denver Bronco. I think so too. I think so. There would have been a trade up. A trade up. I think they would have found a way to get Justin Herbert. I think he'd be the quarterback of the Broncos right now. Yeah, if he'd come out. But hey, I'm I'm not going to criticize Herbert for the decision. He wanted to play a year with his brother, and uh, you know what? You want to go get that college experience. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys who will look back and and tell you, hey, I wish I had one more year on the college level, whether you're talking about football or basketball, because of of the life experience. So you know what? Good for Justin Herbert that he did that, but uh, then the timing didn't quite align, and now he's a charger, and it appears that he is going to be a problem for the Broncos for the foreseeable future, and unfortunately for Drew Locke. And is this fair? No. But football sometimes is not fair. He is being measured against Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And and that that's what's you know, eye-opening is that Vic Fangio hasn't said anything about like this, about how Drew Locke is the Broncos quarterback of the future. And the counter to that is he's only played nine games. Uh, then you look at Justin Herbert, he's only played five games. And, and, and the Broncos head coach is able to say something like that. So it's not fair, Mace, because Drew Locke still has 10 games to prove what he's worth. And maybe that's not even going to be enough, like we talked about yesterday, but that's probably all he's going to get to prove that he's the guy or not. So, Mace, what do we see from Drew Locke this weekend as he tries to bounce back, which Vic Fangio said that he is confident that, that Drew Locke will be able to bounce back? Well, unfortunately, this is where the news of today has an impact because you're taking Graham Glasgow off and Glasgow struggled early in the year, but he's played really good ball the last couple of weeks. I think uh, what you can attribute Graham Glasgow's early struggles to were uh, just getting comfortable with a new offensive line, with a new scheme. Uh, You didn't have OTAs, you didn't have preseason, and it affects even a veteran like him. Graham Glasgow, the last couple of games, has been as advertised and exactly what you expected. And he's helped Lloyd Cushenberry get better as well at center the, the last couple of games. It's uh, maybe a little not as uh, perceptible as some other improvements on the offensive line, but it's there. Cushenberry is starting to play better ball. He's inching forward after that rough uh, after that rough first month. So it's going to it's going to hurt Cushenberry, assuming that he is not one of the close contacts. It's uh, it's going to hurt Demar Dotson over at right tackle, and you also wonder if Dotson being uh, a stable presence at right tackle has also helped Graham Glasgow uh, really get comfortable and get his sea legs under him on the on the offensive line. So for Drew Locke, it starts there. What does the offensive line look like? What kind of protection is he getting? Because you know the Chargers' defense overall. It's been a sieve because there have been injuries, and in particular, uh, that secondary being affected with the loss of Derwin James earlier this season and Chris Harris Jr. still on the shelf. So 
you're going to have some coverage mismatches potentially against the secondary that is really struggling. But now you've got your protection scheme that is having to face a, a front seven that includes, of course, uh, of course, Joey Bosa. And also they're expected to have Melvin Ingram back. So now they're going to be at full health in terms of those edge rushers to really set up everything up pass rush wise for the Chargers. So how does that affect Drew Locke? This is where you're going to need some, you're going to need some more quick, quick reads, you know, and this, and you're going to have to do things to make sure that that hot read or that, that guy that is his first progression is somebody is, is open and not setting him up for a pick, the kind of situation where you have a pick six like against Kansas city. And also Drew Locke has got to read pressure better than he did against Kansas city. He's got to be able to diagnose pre-snap better than he has been doing. It's too bad that, that uh, you can't have uh, Brett Rippon's pre-snap uh, abilities out there with Drew Locke. Drew is still kind of getting to where Brett Rippon is in terms of that part of the game. Yeah, you're 100% right. And Mace, one of the things that's going to be big is Garrett Bowles in this game. Can he hold up and play to the level that he's played? Because one interesting thing that John Elway told uh, our friend Phil Milani l- last night was that, yes, Bowles has been tremendous this year after all the criticism he relieved, received last year. But John added that we're doing a better job helping him as far as with the tight ends and those types of things. Well, you're not going to be able to help him as much if you have a backup right guard in there. If for some reason you need a backup right tackle, a backup center, uh, some a backup somewhere else on that offensive line too, you're going to have to help the backups there. And Garrett Bowles is going to be more on an island. And from what John said, then he's not going to be having those protections uh, and, and help as much. So that's going to be very interesting. But Mace, if, if Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are teeing off on Drew Locke, it's it's going to be rough. So the protection yeah. has to be there. And that does fall on Drew as well. You're 100% right. He's got to make some quick reads, and he's got to move through his progressions. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that John Elway said that because, yes, Garrett Bowles has had some help, particularly since they did more two tight end type of stuff. But Bowles has also been better when he's been one-on-one than he ever has been. Yeah, I, I think that needs to be said as well. That yeah, yeah, he is getting some help, and more two tight end sets do help do do provide that assistance. But Bowles himself is also when he's been on an island is has is also greatly improved. So John notes he's going to have to negotiate with Bowles. Yeah, soon, that, he, he doesn't want to give that, too much. <laughs> that's what that felt like. That yeah. uh, because y- you know you know in the negotiation process. Everyone's going to argue for, you know, for their side. And Garrett Bowles' side is pointing to that pro football focus ranking today. Yeah. Where he's the top rated tackle in the NFL at this moment. And certainly if he stays at that level, their thoughts going to be, if you don't pay him as the top tackle in the NFL, there's somebody out there who will the other, the other thing also with, with PFF, that's fascinating. If he maintains that ranking, Zach, we are probably talking about Garrett Bowles being a pro bowl tackle potentially. Uh, we, we certainly are. And they saw top of that, some good news for Garrett Bowles coming in this morning uh, with, with, of course, uh, a, a big contract coming in for Ronnie Stanley, hundred million dollars, I think sixty million dollars in guarantees. So good time for Garrett Bowles to be hitting the market. But of course, the Broncos could franchise tag him and say, "No, no, you're not hitting the market." So Mace, back to this game. How do you see it playing out? What goes on on Sunday? Hopefully, on Sunday. 
it, it could be a shootout. This this may be an opportunity for the Broncos to get their offense untracked and uh, and get out of this rut that has them in the teens in in Drew Locke's starts. It, of course, in the games that he started and finished, going back to week seventeen of last year, uh, they've scored what sixteen. 16, 14, 18, and 16. So they've it's a it's an opportunity to, to get out of that rut if they can deal with the pressure effectively. If they can, there are going to be some mismatches on the back end. And this is where to me, you just you you trust your pass catching targets to get yards after the catch. You you get the ball out quickly. You don't necessarily need to go vertical, but you use the field horizontally, and you use, for example, Noah Fant's ability, even though he's on the bum ankle right now, his ability to get yardage after the catch. You use Albert Okwebunam's ability to get yardage after the catch. Uh, You use that with Jerry Judy as well. And if you want to get a nine ball in there, you send Tim Patrick deep and see if he can win uh, win a jump ball with one of the Chargers cornerbacks. So there are going to be opportunities to get to get to get some yardage, to get some chunk plays, even though it may start off not looking like a chunk play. So I think that I think. That's something the Broncos need to take advantage of. If Philip Lindsay is through the post-concussion protocol, then you hit him hard with Philip Lindsay on the ground. I think this is a game where we'll see some of the numbers for the Broncos offense have a significant bounce back. This this, this game could be a, a 27-24, 28-27 type of game incoming, Zach. And Mace, is that your prediction? 27, 24, 27, 28? Because before, before you give your prediction, I'll give Ryan's prediction. He has the Broncos winning 27, 24. So he agrees with you at that score right there. Yep. I have, it's, it's going to be a little bit lower than that. Okay. I have the Broncos winning 24, 23 on a late Brandon McManus field goal. Hey, there we go. BMAC coming through. Maybe yeah. he can win another AFC special teams player of the week. And and yes, what I'm saying is it, it could be another heartbreaking loss for the Chargers uh, where you're looking and saying, wow, Justin Herbert had a really good game once again, but we couldn't close the deal. That's the kind of lament that you might hear from the Chargers after this one. I think the Broncos do bounce back after after being hammered last week, I think they I think they play better. Look, I think they'll go two and two in this four game stretch. I'm actually I'm actually in terms of the Broncos, I'm actually a little more concerned about the Falcon game, seeing that they seem to be uh, finding their way. If they could just get Todd Gurley to 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 do what he's supposed to do in terms of trying to preserve to to preserve a situation late, then. They they'd be talking about having three straight wins right now under Raheem Morris. So uh, the fa- that's looking like a pretty uh, a pretty dicey game coming up down in the ATL next week. So if you're going to try to maximize this run, Zach, I think you got to win this game, and I think the Broncos will find a way to do it. There we go. And the Broncos are, of course, three point underdogs right now, and the line has gone closer to the Broncos in the final 48 hours the past two weeks, so maybe that'll happen again. Maybe it'll come closer uh, to an even game. And Mace, I like the Broncos' offense to bounce back as well. You said this is a game for it to happen. 
I like it. Like the like you've said in the past four games with Drew Locke starting and finishing the game, the Bronx offense has averaged 16 points. Well, I like them to top that this week. I like them to put up 19. I can't say they're going to break the 20 mark until they actually break the 20 mark. And I don't know. The Chargers, the Chargers defense is completely average. They've been completely average across the board. Now, they did give up 29 points to Jacksonville last week. That's certainly not a good mark. But they're an average defense. They're not terrible. They're not great. And they are getting Melvin Ingram back this week. I don't think that's good for the Broncos. So I say the Broncos get close to 20, but don't do that. And Mace, Justin Herbert's put up 26.6 points per game in his five starts uh, with the Chargers. But in the past three weeks, he's averaged 32 points per game. I mean, he's had one of the best offenses in the league over the past three weeks. And I think the Broncos defense does a good job with Justin Herbert, keeping him in check. But keeping him in check and doing a great job against him, against a 32-point offense, is holding him to 22 points. And I think the Broncos do that. And I think at the end of the day, it's a very similar situation and conversation that we had last week, although to a much, much closer game, of course. It's going to be 22 to 19 Chargers. It's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm predicting a push right now, which is something you probably don't want to do in Vegas. But I think the Broncos defense plays very well, holds Justin Herbert in check, brings him back to earth. And the Broncos offense just isn't able to get over that hump yet. Now, remember one thing, that Jaguars defense, it's bad. And they gave up 39 last week. It was their sixth consecutive game in which they had allowed 30 or more points. So I, th- that particular performance, I, I wouldn't put uh, I, I wouldn't put too much stock in just because of the quality or lack thereof uh, of the Jaguars defense. But you've got a hey, 22. So you've got. How do you have them getting a 22? Is I, have, that, I have no idea. OK. All right. I think I figured it out. OK. <laughs> You have them down 19-14 as the Broncos have a game where they have to settle for a bunch of field goals yeah. on some promising drives. So BMAC puts up four field goals in the game to get you to 19. So they're down 19-14. Justin Herbert leads them on a late touchdown drive, and they go for two and get it to be up by a field goal. There you go. There you the go. Broncos. I knew I could re- rely on you, man. There you go. <laughs> that, that, that's, how, that's how you have it happening. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. You and Ryan have the Broncos winning. Man, I hope you're right. I'd, I'd love to be talking about a three and four team going in and facing Atlanta with an opportunity to get back to 500 this week. I think it's going to be a close game. I think we all agree on that one, and it's going to be a fun one. We'll keep you updated on everything that's going on. Uh, uh, about this game. Hopefully it's a 205 kickoff on Sunday, but make sure to stay tuned to us. Mace, we're going to end this live pod right now. We're going to jump into the comment section. And just like that, the magic of podcast, we are hopping into the comment section. But before we do that, got to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. And guys, they're back at it again with another great deal for all the games this weekend. To celebrate the showdown in Happy Valley, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they place a bet on either Ohio State or Penn State. Additionally, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. And on top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odd boosts every Sunday. 
to help you make it rain. If you got your eyes on the Denver Broncos Chargers game, make sure to check out DraftKings for all the good lines and boosts that they have as well. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store right now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use that promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick either Penn State or Ohio State, bet $1 on them, and cash $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code DNBR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Another quality read there, Zach, by the way. I have to say that. It gets, it gets faster and faster. Again, I, I believe you have auctioneering in your future <laughs> man that'd be a fun weekend gig i guess saturday gig because my sundays are filled with something yeah so you know sometimes if you're going to an auction maybe you've got a beer in your hand better yet if you have a beer in your hand maybe it is a breckenridge brew of course that is the official beer of dnvr you can get plenty of good breck brews for example over the dnvr bar a wide array of selections from our friends over at breckenridge brew but you can also go have some of those Breck brews over at the farmhouse. They're a restaurant over off Santa Fe in Littleton. If you want to get a takeout order, no problem. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. and get a takeout order. Use that magical code DNVR. Save $5 off your meal. They're also open for in-person dining with proper distancing and proper COVID protocols. You can even make a reservation. Again, 303-803-1380. Of course, if you want some Breck Brews, don't forget about that 15-can sampler. But also, got to mention the Christmas Ale. It's back. It is in grocery stores throughout Colorado. In my local grocery store, I walked past a big display of Christmas Ale. Yeah, the weather is warming up here at the end of this week, but that snowfall earlier this week, that cold weekend that we had, including the frigid conditions for Broncos Chiefs that might have put you in the mood for some Christmas sale and I'm sure we're going to have more snow coming up at some point so check that out at your local grocery store and of course don't forget that 15 can sampler like like I mentioned and throughout the country wherever you go you want some Breck brews check out the Breck beer finder at Breck at Breckenridge Brewery's website and it'll tell you where to go Breckenridge Brewery the official beer of DNBR all right Mace let's hop into the comment section first one coming in from D-Dubs fellas I think Broncos country's biggest issue is so many people have access to so much information and so many people are able to put their misinformed opinions out there and get traction based on emotional reactions. And since emotion is so powerful, what was potentially a short-term gut reaction, people are instead attaching emotion to the most recent evaluation and that has become their stance. I was mad as heck during the game because Drew stunk, but giving myself time to digest the grand scope of the situation, I'm cautious but not out on him. 10 games to see what this kid's made of. And I still think he's made all he's made of all the right stuff to be the answer here. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think the numbers that concern me for drew lock, they're not the ones of Sunday. They're the ones when you take every start since the first two. So you, once you start to get some film on him from that third start onward and 
the fact that you only see, see three touchdown passes uh, in starts three through nine for Drew Locke, that his rating is in the mid-60s. Those are the things that concern me in the bigger picture. And if he had a normal drop rate, it wouldn't change uh, the number the, the, the numbers all that much. It might, there's probably a boost in pass rating if a couple of those drops become catches in their touchdowns. But you're still talking about an even touchdown interception ratio. You're talking about a completion percentage below 60% in that time, even if you give him some of the drops. So it's funny that the emotional, it's, you can have an emotional reaction based off last Sunday's game, but the bigger picture and more of a clinical reaction still leaves me pessimistic or realistic. I, I'm thinking of pessimistic because there's a later comment saying that that there's Mace's pessimism. I'm just, I'm a little bit more realistic in saying the odds right now are not in his favor based on the trends of other quarterbacks in the last 10 years. And I think it's, it's great that you pointed that out, Mace, because those are just the facts. Those are, those are the stats. Mm -hmm. And so if you're relying on those, it's hard to call you, you know, a, a Debbie Downer or pessimistic about it. You're just trying to be realistic. And I get those. And those are concerning. And that's, that's why I'm not out on Drew Locke. I don't think Mace is out mm -hmm. on Drew Locke. I'm worried though, and, and that's kind of my stance this week. Is is now I'm worried now. Now I need to see it, and no better time than against a quarterback that's balling out. I mean, think of it this way: if he has he has nine starts under his belt, he could have ten more. Uh, I'd say if we're if we're doing it in baseball terms, we're probably in the top of the fifth right now, mm, and, yeah. and and we're behind and we're behind four one. There's yeah. still plenty of time, plenty of at bats. Uh, there's a there's a lot of opportunity to to turn this around. Yeah, that's a that's but a great analogy. But it's not trending in the right direction. We gotta we gotta wake up the bats a little bit, so to speak. <laughs> Let's see if it can. Maybe happen I should have made a basketball analogy because Locke is 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 is, is, is uh, such a renowned three point shooter. He certainly would have made a basketball analogy. That's for sure. No, that's just uh, got all the baseball bobbleheads behind me. So. <laughs> Count Locula, my fellows. Although I should, maybe I should let you read that because <laughs> because it's his take on my boys. I'm gonna stop tossing you cheese. It's time to get thinking. Imagine yourselves on a darkling plain. You meet in the mist. You each have a tool and a material. You know not for what whom or for what or whom the purpose of your creation must appease or convince. RK has a shovel and a rope. Mace has a bag of strong metal spikes and three bolts of silk. Zach has a sturdy cart and a bounty of soft wool. You must work together. What do you make or do love the count? <laughs> oh, wow. So since RK isn't with us today, Mace, does this mean that we don't have a shovel or rope anymore? Oh, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> or maybe I've got the shovel and you've got the rope or vice versa. Well, okay. Hmm. What are we building together? Okay. Um, you got a bounty of soft wool. Um, you got a shovel, you got a rope and you've got spikes. So that'll allow you to kind of keep some stuff down. Yep. Exactly. I'm building a shelter if we're in the middle of a dark plane. Yeah. I'm building yeah. a shelter. Maybe the sturdy cart can be the shelter, but that would probably only be a shelter for one person. You could right. also, you could put the metal spikes on the end of the sturdy cart pointing out and it could turn into like a violent vehicle almost. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm thinking the spikes could cut if if you've got enough wool to kind of have a a canopy, we can and maybe you use the cart and kind of turn it and 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 have it uh, up to kind of support uh, the roof. Maybe we can create a uh, a yurt. <laughs> yes, uh, there we go. The count <laughs> a, a makeshift yurt. I'm sure the count would be able to create something pretty cool with this. <laughs> Butch Cassidy chimes in, says, "Fellas, I'm not super superstitious, but the full moons and days surrounding them are no joke. And a blue moon on Halloween for the first time since 1944 means terrible, terrible things for the Chargers. Imagine, if you will, a flowy-haired, tall, young quarterback in a powder blue varsity jacket adorned with lightning bolts, sitting snuggled up to his sweetheart under the Hollywood sign." with the herd playing from the car radio, talking about how great the Chargers quarterback play has been. But it's playing a little too loud. Too loud for him to hear the rushing, the rustling in the bushes of the big guy, big, ugly, undead monster in a bright orange hockey mask coming out to, to, coming out to gut him up to have chops. It's getting scary on the week's edition of 58-yard field goals where I hunker down to kick a 100-yard gooch blaster the defense will be a nightmare for Justin Herbert. Shelby Harris will have three sacks. Justin Simmons will have two interceptions. And Bradley Chubb will have one strip sack fumble. On what, on what will be forever known as Justin Herbert's worst statistical game of his career, the defense is angry, and they're going to go express themselves. What do you guys have? All right, my 58-yard field goal is Jerry Judy's first 100-yard receiving game. Ah, that would be very, very welcomed, wouldn't it? Yes. I'm going I'm going Noah Fant. I think they incorporate him a lot here. I think Albert O gets put to the side a little bit. He'll still be involved. But I think Noah Fant tops 100. So we, we're both going with the 100-yard receiving games. And I think the Broncos are going to need to have that in order to keep up with what Justin Herbert's bringing. We still don't know of Philip Lindsay's status, but obviously that is huge in this game if they have Phil or not. He was trending in the right direction, and we'll just continue to see over the next 48 hours. Yep, very good. Chahuha. <laughs> hey, fellas. I'm torn between Mason and his pessimism and RK's optimism for Drew. All the stats of QB show he's doomed for failure has an uphill value, battle. But then there's RK picking me back up again. I'm optimistic for Drew this week, and he seemed fired up in the press conference the other day. Is this the week he turns it around? Maybe. I mean, it's a big game to do it, that's for sure, because not only does it turn the season around and help turn the season around, but it also helps turn him around and help turn the conversation around him around because all lives are going to be on Justin Herbert. There's going to be a big national presence, at least paying attention to Justin Herbert's stats and how he does. And if Drew Locke goes out there and outplays Justin Herbert, well, then people are going to say, huh, maybe this Drew Locke guy around the nation has something. You might. It's also possible that the Broncos, if they do get the Russian cover thing going, that they win, but Drew Locke does not outplay Justin Herbert. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to a to bring up something I want to share with you, Zach, and I want to ask you about. Having a conversation yesterday on the radio with Eric Goodman, he uh, we were talking about what happens if this if this defense plays well and we've seen signs that this defense is starting to come together what if the broncos get to eight and eight right now three and three gets you in the playoffs 
what if they get the right wins, like they beat the Raiders twice and they beat the Dolphins and they find themselves in a scenario where they win almost any tiebreaker and they get into the playoffs at 8-8 eight and eight, or maybe even 9-7 and seven if things really break right. But what happens is they get there on the back of their defense playing lights out, kind of like, for example, what the Houston Texans did in 2016. They win the division. They even win a playoff game. But Brock Osweiler had more interceptions than touchdowns. And so what I'm saying, Zach, is it's not out of the realm of possibility. The Broncos start putting things together, but they're carrying Drew Locke a little bit if it doesn't start clicking for him. Yeah, and that could very well happen, Mace, especially with the seventh playoff team added. You could make mm-hmm. the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. And what it would remind me of, yes, the Brock Osweiler in Houston is a good example, but I'm going to go one a little closer to the hearts, and that's Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow had the magic sauce right when he needed it, but that defense was great, and that defense carried him to the playoffs. And what did John Elway do right after that season? He said, bye-bye, hello, Peyton Manning. Now, is Peyton Manning walking through that door this offseason? No, he isn't. But John has showed throughout his career, and I know that Drew's a way better quarterback than Tim Tebow was, but John showed that you know winning isn't necessarily going to, to keep you here. I've also have to see that you can be the quarterback of the future. Don, John did not believe that. The rest of the NFL did not believe that with Tim Tebow. Uh, and, of course, when you have Peyton Manning, it's easy to make that decision. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a very fascinating scenario that could happen. It is. And it's part of why this is going to be a gray area discussion, I think, as as the weeks go by. Unless Drew Locke is spectacular. If he plays better than he has. But let's say – he plays better because they simplify things. Let's say they, they, they constrict it to where it's first and maybe second read, and that's yeah. it. And there's not a lot of third and fourth read stuff. Think back to what happened late last year. Rich Gangarello, he would often move Drew Locke outside the pocket, get him rolling out, and there were two reads, basically. And most of the time, you're only going to one side of the field. So... That was something that Drew Locke showed that he could handle reasonably well. But what if you get the team going, you reduce the amount of mistakes, but it's not, to, it's not where Drew Locke is kind of seeing the whole field or, or getting to that third or fourth read. That's where it becomes, it becomes a really interesting discussion, Zach, and it may not be as clear-cut as saying, oh, the Broncos get to the playoffs and Drew Locke is the guy. It may not be that cut and dry. It's going to depend on how it happens. The process does matter. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not. It's the the win loss thing is nice, and you know I know there are people that are all QB wins, but the process and how you get there matters. Because I mean I think we can all agree, even though the Broncos have a better record with Drew Locke starting than the Chargers do with Justin Herbert starting. Right now, Justin Herbert looks like the better quarterback, without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt, the, the Chargers have not lost games because of Justin Herbert. Right. The, the Broncos, last week, they, you know, Drew Locke wasn't good. Do they beat the Chiefs if Drew Locke plays good? Well, he probably has to play fantastic in order for that to happen. But they have, they, Justin Herbert has not held them back at all. Yeah, there's, there are so many directions in which this whole thing can go the rest of the way. 
LDJ chiming in. Hey, guys, just to clarify, I said four games because even though those are good teams, we're, we're playing these games, Drew should have his feet under him. I'm sorry if it seems to lack patience with Drew, but I don't want to make excuses. Granted, I'm personally giving him until the second Chiefs game, but I'm past making excuses for Drew. After these next four games, if he can't turn it around, my optimism is slim to none. LDJ, I'm kind of right there with you now. Does it mean that the Broncos are going to bench Drew to, to play Brett Rippon after the next four games? No, it doesn't. But I think we'll have a really good idea of who Drew Locke is after the next four games. So I'm right there with you. He goes on and says, 100%. He says, I can't stress this enough. He gave the team no chance to win last week. None. I can deal with how he played against KC last year. He gave the team a chance and receivers didn't execute. But last week was so disappointing. So for me, if I'm going to have to get any optimism, I got to see it in the next four games. There's just too much talent on this roster. Too much. Let's be honest. No, dis, no discredit to great players like Kelsey, Tyree Kill, uh, Keenan Allen. But Herbert or Mahomes would dominate the AFC with this roster. Pure domination. They're doing well. Chiefs are awesome. But if Mahomes had the Broncos roster, that'd be a real dynasty. If Herbert had the Broncos roster, he'd be scary in the playoffs. Drew has so much talent around him. Use it, dude. Yeah, you can take any number of quarterbacks. I mean, uh, let's look at a couple, let's look at a quarter one of the quarterbacks who might be on the market if a team decides to go young. I mean, what would Matt Ryan do with the supporting cast the Broncos have? Pretty well, I would think. Yeah, and uh, what, what would Matthew Stafford do? I mean, that's pretty well. Uh, the, these, yeah, and these are questions that are worth asking. Heck. Let's talk about a guy who got, just got benched in Miami. What would Ryan Fitzpatrick do? Pretty well. With the supporting cast. I'd say this is a better supporting cast around the quarterback here than Fitz and now Tua has in Miami. I agree. So, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, LDJ. I, I, I empathize with you. What you're feeling. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think these next four games, I think we'll know. I do think we'll know. Now, he'll I still get think- the final six, but I think we'll know. I do think we'll know as well. Aaron Ray, what's going on, my cheese? Crazy to me how badly people are panicking about Drew Locke. You have to give the youngsters some time to get the kinks out. We need to stop emotionally reacting, reacting each game because we will drive ourselves crazy. There was a guy who played for the Broncos a few years back named Peyton Manning. He broke the interception record as rookie year with 28 picks while leading the Colts to a 3-13 and record. And I think he ended up having a decent NFL career, LOL. At least give the man the year before you start panicking. We have gone through a lot as a team, including a change in O coordinator, no offseason because of COVID, season-ending injuries to four of our best players, including our number one Pro Bowl receiver, and the rest of the receivers are basically all rookies. How many more of those bombs would be caught if Cortland Sutton were out there? This year has been an anomaly, so if he has even an average year and we're able to make the playoffs, I'll be super happy with that in the future of the squad. I appreciate y'all. Stay blessed. Aaron, I The problem is Drew Locke is not having an average year. He's He's well below average right now. Yeah, he, he's, he's at the bottom of the barrel in terms of nearly every statistic. Completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio, um, passer rating, QBR, he's, he's at the bottom. So, Aaron, yeah, if he were to bounce back and then have an average year with these numbers, like turn it around so much that it balances out to average, well, that means he finished the season hot. The Broncos were winning. The Broncos made the playoffs. So then, yeah. He probably is the quarterback next year, and we're really mm-hmm. liking what we're seeing. Um, and, and, yes, you make good points about how this has been a very hard year, and that does need to be taken into consideration. But, Mace, I think you 
will do a better job than me of making the argument of why he shouldn't be compared to Peyton Manning and why, you know, two decades ago is, is a very different time than today's NFL. It, it is, and it's never been – we have never been in an environment that was more conducive to microwaving a quarterback's development than we are right now. And uh, you, you, just, you just look for – and obviously kind of the standards, uh, the standards have changed over time, but you just take a look at, at say, the, the first five games uh, for a rookie quarterback. So that, that includes, you know, Drew Locke. Uh, last year, Drew Locke's pass rating in his first five games was 89.7, which since the merger is 16th best. And there are eight guys who've had a rating or pardon me, six guys who've had a rating of over 100 as rookies in their first five starts. And those guys are Roethlisberger, Herbert, Sean Watson, Dan Marino, Dak Prescott, RG3. What do five of those guys have in common? Really good. <laughs> they played in the last decade. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, it has never been easier for a young quarterback to get up to speed quickly and contribute than it is right now. So that's, wh- that's why when you, you, ha- you have to look at the era and you have to, you have to adjust it and you have to kind of Step back, step back, and view the bigger picture here. And like, I mean, John Elway. Now, now, John Elway is another example. Yeah. And John Elway really struggled in those first five starts. But the other, the thing that happens with these guys is that if they struggle early and bounce back, as you hear the chorus of of puppies in my house right now. <laughs> yeah, they bounce back. You'll see it. Like, for example, with John Elway, really struggled badly early. We all remember him lining up under Tom Glastic, the guard. <laughs> but what else happened in that season was that in a couple of games down the stretch against Cleveland and uh, Baltimore, uh, the latter game that we did for one of our DNVR watch parties uh, when everyone was shut in because of the pandemic, he showed it. You could see it. And so we need to have some moments, I think, where we see it from Drew Locke now that film has accumulated. Right. Yeah. We'll find out if we, ha- if we have that or not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bleed orange and blue since 82. Great day, guys. Hearing May singing on the pod is one of my favorites all time. I, fe- I smiled and felt true joy. <laughs> it also got me thinking, if you could only listen to one decade of music for the rest of your life, what would it be? For example, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s or 2010s you can only choose one and why i appreciate y'all and want to thank you for everything you do keep up the great work what is it for you zach that's a good question um would have to uh probably between the 70s and 80s i I don't know exactly how i choose maybe just go ah maybe 80s we'll say 80s it's a tough choice between the 70s and the 80s and I'll default to the eighties just because it, it, it's sort of a kind of a thing of the heart. It's what first got me into music. I had uh, my brother's nine years older than I was. So, 
you know, that basically microwaved my indoctrination into pop culture and music and all that. And, uh, you know, I was bouncing along with, with stuff. And also uh, the early 80s kind of gets some of that 70s into it. So you get a, you get a little bit of disco barely hanging on. But for example, like in, in 1980, you've got, uh, you've got Queen and uh, another one bites the dust. So you got, you still got some good classic rock going on. You've got, you got Rush and some of their best songs coming in the early 80s. And uh, yeah, I, I, the 80s are close to my heart. Actually, at our wedding, Zach, we had a band that played nothing but 80s music and it was phenomenal. <laughs> oh man, that sounds amazing. Live 80s people music. Love, people loved it. I mean, it, oh yeah. It, it, just, it just holds up really well. And uh, uh, the funny thing is like when we were reviewing the band and, um, and we, we, we could choose what songs, uh, like a catalog of songs from which we wanted them to play. And they had so much in their arsenal, but there were, there were a few songs that I wanted that my wife is like, no, like I wanted to get a little, uh, my prerogative from Bobby Brown in there. And she's like, no. And also ruled out was Stroken by Clarence Carter. You ever hear that? I, the name doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Well, it's a kind of, it's a little bit of a salacious song. <laughs> like it goes, I be stroking. Do, 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 do. I stroke it to the north. I stroke it to the south. I stroke it everywhere. I even stroke it with my, woo! Oh, man, that is amazing. <laughs> man, and no surprise she didn't want that played. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I have a thing for kind of gag stuff and all that stuff. <laughs> That's great. My, uh, my girlfriend says I have very old person taste. She's not uh, the biggest fan of it, but I love all the old stuff. You have an old soul, Zach. <laughs> I mean that in a good way. You are, yeah. <laughs> I, I, th I think music. I think you came around a couple of decades later than you should have. I think so too. I think so too. This whole Twitter Twitter atmosphere is so much for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's starting to leave me off at the past. I mean, I I have no like I don't do TikTok. I have no interest in TikTok. <laughs> yeah, that's what all the kids are doing. It's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. anyway race city bronco hey guys i've been staying away from broncos talk this week as everyone seems to be melting down over our loss to the chiefs however i think it's important to keep some perspective as this team is two and one in their past three games with their only loss to the super bowl champs and yeah our defense is looking really strong people are understandably down on drew lock but this was only his eighth complete game in the nfl when we compare it to john elway's progress as a rookie it doesn't look so bad in Elway's eighth game in the league, he lost the Chargers in a stinker. He passed for 100, only 147 yards and had three picks and a passer rating of just 26. The Chargers were terrible that year, too, with a 6-10 record and the worst defense in the league. Fast forward two weeks, and Elway would pass for 345 yards and three touchdowns, an epic comeback win against the Colts. I think these next two weeks will be telling for Drew Locke and this team as a whole. Both the Falcons and Chargers are ranked in the bottom third of the league in passing defense, and Denver has a solid chance to come away with a 500 record after playing those two teams. What are your thoughts? Well, I think we kind of addressed all that earlier. You know, I think, uh, I think it is fair to expect 500 from the next four games. Whether this team can be more than that is predicated on being better than 500. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So Ray City Bronco, I agree with you that the next two weeks are very, very crucial. Next four weeks really being very crucial. But we've kind of talked about how it's not fair to – compare Elway and Locke and, and, and Locke and Manning just because the eras 
are so, so different. But one thing that is fair to do is checking out Chevalier Mortgage. Our friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they've been supporters of DNVR and members of our family for a long time. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. If you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, you'll enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do so. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options over at Chevalier Mortgage. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. And also, if you're curious about the rates, refinancing rates, they are as good as you hear, and they have some incredible rates right now. You can check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. They're there to make the refinance process simple and easy for you, and they make sure to wrap a whole package uh, around what you're looking to do. They can save you hundreds a month and thousands of dollars in investments over the life of your loan. They help people find out if they're able to reduce or even eliminate their current mortgage insurance. And maybe you'd like to access the equity in your house to do a large project, go back to school, maybe MSU Denver, for instance, or consolidate student loans. And since refinancing is not right for everyone, Mike of Virginia will run a quick analysis and honestly let you know whether refinancing might be right for you. So make sure to check them out at dnvrmortgage.com to get all the information you need. Give Virginia a call at 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com for a chance to enter to win DNVR shirt or hat when you do and get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Maybe, hey, maybe you're, uh, you're getting a mortgage set up, getting a loan, and uh, you're trying to get a place on a golf course. Or maybe you can't get a place on a golf course. You want to play some golf, that's where our friends at WGT come in. WGT Golf, not only the most popular golf game in the world, it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. Download WGT and join that DNVR clubhouse by going to dnvr.golf.com. Of course, we're well into the uh, third clubhouse now, I believe, but uh, get access to all the same fun prizes, games, all that good stuff that you're going to have with virtual golf if you can't play real golf it's played by more than 20 million players around the world it gives you a chance to play some of the finest courses on the planet you may never get to st andrews or beth page black or pebble beach or the ocean course at kiowa island but you know what you can play these courses on wgt golf get the closest thing to a real golf experience that you can on your device i like to play it on my ipad you can play it on your iphone you can play on your desktop wherever you go you can even get the equipment you prefer to play with if you like playing with titleist uh golf balls if you like playing with tailor-made uh golf clubs you know what you can do that and get virtual versions of those on wgt golf so go to dnvrgolf.com and download wgt golf today Next one coming in from the other Ryan. My boys, happy football and bum talk Friday. I didn't include feel good because of Graham Glasgow contracting COVID-19. Hopefully it makes a speedy recovery and there is not too much fallout. I like the Broncos chances against the Chargers much better than I did against the Chiefs. I don't see this team surrendering a defensive and special teams touchdown again or having four turnovers on Sunday. And the weather will be perfect. I think that Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel would devise a game plan to confuse and flummox young Justin Herbert on Sunday. The Broncos have shown that they can move the ball on offense. They just need to get the ball into the end zone. My question today, 
is uh, of, of the fill-in-the-blank Friday variety. The Broncos beat the Chargers if one blank, two blank, and three blank transpire. Have a wonderful weekend. The NV Army salute. So, Mace, what are the three things that need to happen for them to beat the Chargers? If they, if they win the turnover battle, and that's going to start with interceptions, if – they hold the Chargers to under 20 points somehow, some way. And if they sack Justin Herbert at least four times. I like it. They win. I'm going similar, but I'm going to go turnovers. Uh, Justin Herbert has more touchdowns than interceptions, something that he has never done in his young NFL career. Or, or interceptions and touchdowns, right? Yes, yes, yes. Interceptions than touchdowns. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if Drew Locke does the opposite, has more touchdowns than interceptions, um, and if they top 26 points, if the Broncos okay. do. There we go. Bangkok Bronco. Hey, gents, time for your 58-yard field goals. Not ashamed to give myself a pat on the back and say my attempt last week of a Drew Locke rushing touchdown might have been good from 68. <laughs> this week, I'm going to say Jerry Judy gets the first TD on our first possession. What say you? Have a good weekend. BB out. Yes, uh, Graham Glasgow. Yeah. Although, um, although I guess he said nine news reports that starting right tackle Graham Glasgow tested positive for COVID-19. That's the sort of mistake you might expect from your local blogger, SMH. Well, I don't think Andrew Mason made that mistake, so certainly not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if, if, if you're not a local blogger, then what are you? A non-local <laughs> blogger? I guess. Uh, yeah. um, man, did, did someone steal the 58-yard field goal from you, Bangkok Broncos? Since we've already addressed it, um, I don't remember exactly where that came in. But, yeah, oh, Butch Cassidy gave us his 58-yard field goal earlier. So we've already hit on that, and we're both going 100-yard games. Yes. Yeah. Jerry Judy, 100 yards. I'm calling it right now. No offense, yards. There you go. And then finally, maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> Seriously, what happened to quarterbacks throwing the ball away? Sunday, Drew is getting sacked and losing pile of yards while I'm yelling, throw the ball away. Mm-hmm. It hasn't gone away. Aaron Rodgers is still a master at the art of throwing the ball and <laughs> avoiding an interception. Man, Brett, Brett Ripperin tried to master it. He just uh, wasn't Uh-oh. able to get the ball fully out of bounds. <laughs> well, that was Trevor's problem. Remember that Buffalo game in 2017 when he just he didn't have enough hot sauce on the ball to get to the sideline and it got picked? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. man alive. Drew, throwing the ball away. At the right time, you cannot be called for intentional grounding, but throwing the ball away is obviously way better than a sack, and that's why him getting out on the move allows him to throw the ball away so easy because then he's out of the tackle box. He doesn't have to worry about getting the penalty. Yep. Very, very true. And Mason incompletion is way better than an interception. I don't think Drew needs to be told that at all. And incompletion is better than an interception. And as John Fox once said, sometimes a punt is not a bad play. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And every single time cleaning your teeth is the right play to do. And Green Mountain Dental Group out in Lakewood is the best place to get your teeth clean. Not only do they treat you like family, not only have they supported DNVR for many years, not only are they extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us so you can talk sports when you're at Green Mountain Dental, but 
If you schedule with cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush, that amazing Sonicare toothbrush that we all love and have. They're giving it to you for free if you just schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam over at Green Mountain Dental. So make sure to check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. They treat us like family. They treat you like family. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver. And schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us all of this week. Man, we've had some highs, some lows almost some cries and we certainly have lots of laughs here thank you guys so much for rolling with us mace thank you so much for rolling with me we will keep you guys updated on everything that's going on with this game hopefully there's a game sunday at 2 p.m and hopefully andrew mason and ryan koningsberg are right on the outcome we'll be with you guys for a post game pod right after the final whistle but thank you guys so much for rolling with us for andrew mason i'm zach stevens we'll talk to you this weekend Just kidding down